days, but nothing changed, left you changed What's around you, how you think, how you live, how you speak, how you walk, how you blink How you talk, how you teach, how you reach, let it sink What's your purpose, what's your passion, do the pain, what's your plan Is it playing, wanna play, how to play, how to play What's your purpose, what's your passion, do the pain Welcome, 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 welcome. I had to say it a few times because, you know, <laughs> that little pause in between um, be happening. But welcome to Plugged with Molly and Joe, the Mental Warriors. We are now in, like, show number 11, getting used to how this goes. We got plenty plans for the future. Um, stereo, I mean, studio action, all of that other good stuff. Um, you know, all, you know, all, 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 all the stuff that goes with, um, a successful show. Um, I think what we wanted to do is put the content, you know, have a lot of content and see where we're going with it. And I think we, you know, we, we hitting, a, hitting some strides. What, what you think, Joe? I definitely think that we are hitting stride. Um, a lot of it is due to what we see and what we, uh, what we experience. And a lot of it is due to what's happening. Um, there's a pro and con to uh, content. Uh, some content that's good, you want to promote it, but sometimes even if it's bad content, you still got to promote it to let people know what's happening. So, um, you know, we just got to keep, we, there's so much for us to look at and so much for us to acknowledge. So as long as the things keep happening, good or bad, we'll always have something to talk about and discuss. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because, um, the, the 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 gift that keep on giving is 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 basically our um you know the country that we reside in you know I don't want to speak too bad about you know the place where we reside right but, um, at the same time it's like um it's almost inevitable that you would have to speak on it because it's happening right before our eyes the execution of, the execution of of black and brown boys um. You know the 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 divide in how we're being educated, all of these different things. Um, the the fact that um, the Asians have a bill, Asian hate bill, um, signed before any 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 crime against us was signed, and that's that's telling in itself. And the reason why it's so telling is because we've been going through centuries of beatdowns and we haven't gotten anything to say okay we're going to address the hate against black people we're going to make that an actual crime a national crime a crime where you're going to be punished for doing so it's a hate crime you know what i mean that's the crazy part but you know that's neither here nor there uh i mean it is part of here uh when you talk about these things there are people who comment on not just our content but you know, our people are tired of hearing about these things. They look at it as bad news or negative publicity. But like we said earlier, we have to promote this stuff to let it be known that it's happening. You know, uh, that's the only way that it'll get the point across and change will really happen. Mm -hmm. So for those who look at us as hotep or, you know, pro-black or whatever the case may be. No, we're just stating what reality is for us. Well, all we're doing is talking about our lives, uh, what's affecting our lives. You know, we cannot let this stuff happen and just look at it with a blind eye. We have right. to see something about it and continue talking about it. Um, otherwise, it all this will be for naught, you know? Right. I mean, I try to stay away from a lot of the um, religious um, labels for the simple fact that it doesn't, it doesn't allow everybody to um, embrace the knowledge that is presented. So I try to keep us in a platform or in a, in, in a situation where our information is getting out there in a, in a, in a broader spectrum so that people can open up their minds and take it in instead of it looking like, Oh, well, I'm on this side of the fence where you're on that side of the fence and they are mortal enemies. You know what I mean? For, from history, from, from, from Pat, you know, from the past or what have you, I'm not with all that. I'm with unity. Right. Unity is the key, you know, but, um, just, just going into a little recap, um, my Knicks, (laughs) Since we first started, from the time we started to now, my Knicks has been on fire, bro. And your Indiana Pacers has not been on fire. No, we are right now. We are uh, a walking 
a burning fire dumpster right now. And <laughs> yeah. you know they want to get rid of our coach and our coaching staff because you know he's not doing what he promised he would do. After one season, I think it's very rare, but apparently he's gotten to a lot of fire with a lot of the players and the coaching staff who don't want him there anymore. So when you upset the players and don't connect with your players, the problem is you. And I don't necessarily agree. I agree with, you know, letting things go through time and seeing how a person develops. But if it's causing that much of a distraction and a disruption, then we got to make changes, you know? Well, the Knicks don't need no changes right now. What we need is a superstar. We're looking to make some noise in the playoffs. We got Stephen A. Smith out here going crazy as a Knicks fan or on TV or whatnot. Stephen A. Smith, Mike Lee, everybody's yapping. Yeah, that's, that's, even, that's the kind of a Knicks fan. Even LeBron James said that, you know, um, you know, the Knicks, the Knicks being relevant is actually a good thing for the league. Well, of we, course, don't know, we don't know that New York being relevant is good for the nation anyway. So Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. We are one of the, I won't say hyped, but New York is, is one of the biggest basketball sports towns in the world. Right. And just the energy that the New York Knicks, even the Brooklyn Nets, New York teams are bringing right now. It's just, it's bringing an energy of the late 90s, the early 90s, you know, back in the Patrick Ewan days. Right, right, like that. right. so, I mean, it's as, even a me not being a Knicks fan, it's interesting to see. It's fun to be around people, have conversations and talk about the Knicks, actually see people smile and laugh and hope for the future. And you can't, you can't, you, you got to love a good underdog story. You have to. Right, indeed. So with that being said, I know we're going to speak more about the Knicks in the coming weeks because we're going to the playoffs, baby. So by oh, yeah. next week, by next week, we'll know exactly where we are. Fourth, four, hopefully, is the the, the the fourth seed mm-hmm. so that we can get that home court advantage for at least the first round. Yeah. Haven't seen it in the last ten years, so I'm hype. I'm happy. I'm with it. You know. Um, But what we're going to do is we're going to move on to our next segment, which is paying homage to the ancestors. So when we see like all of that stuff, we're going to have we're going to have Brooklyn all day. Yeah, Brooklyn Nets. They 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 they, they they, you know they the shiny they the shiny little 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 jewelry in the shop. But right now, listen, I like that little that little gritty, grimy little penny on the corner over there somewhere. So I'm good right now. But we're going to move on to our next segment. And then we're going to, like I said, when we do production or whatever, we're going to have little things that lead us into these segments. But we have our segments that we're going to carry on. And one of them is going to be this one, paying homage to our ancestors. All right. And, you know, in this segment, what we do is we, Joe and I, we pay homage to one of our ancestors that paved the way that, um, that sparked um, that sparks, that sparked um, our interest in civil rights and in in, in 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 fighting for the rights of our people, our black people. Um, and Joe, you can start off with who you're paying homage to this week, and it co- it, co- it coincides with what we're talking about this week too. Absolutely, um, people are gonna figure out. Well, why didn't we take a talk about uh, this ancestor first? You know. Thinking right. no matter who we are, we waited for a long time because there were so many. But I'm glad to finally pay homage to the honorable Malcolm X, brother Malcolm X. Yes, who, yes, yes. Clap, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. Was an African American leader in the civil rights movement, minister and supporter of black nationalism. He urged his black Americans to protect themselves against white aggression by any means necessary. A stance that often put him at odds with nonviolent teachings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, I look at myself as a Malcolm X, not because I'm militant and because I'm forceful or aggressive, but I'm very stubborn. And I, I have a, a, a very logistic sense of life. If something makes sense to me, I'm going to follow it. If it's being fair or if it's unfair. And it's very hard to convince me otherwise to, you know, to make me change or make me see things differently. So um, Malcolm X was just and still is so important to this day. Things he was talking about 50 plus years ago is still relevant to this day. Right. He couldn't know that this was going to happen 50 years ago, but that kind of shows that what he was talking about then makes sense or that 
there is a, a cycle to what the system that he was talking about. Because if he's able to make if he's able to make these speeches that he did, like ballot of the bullet, or you know, talk about things that were happening then, and it relates to right now, that something's wrong with the system that we live in. Well, well, you know, hats off to to who you pick. Malcolm is one of my heroes, of course. Um, and yeah, um, a lot of his a lot of his speeches, if you listen to them, if you focus on them now. They will, they will mimic um, today's problems, and in them mimicking today's problems, you wonder: um, has the system, has the system even ever been trying to fix itself? Has, has there been a time where they've been trying to fix this problem that they have um, with um, trying to keep us down? Um, my, um, hom- who I'm paying homage to. I guess it's because you got Malcolm X, and then you you know they, he this 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 gentleman always has been um, connected with the story of Malcolm X, and that's Martin Luther King Jr. Right. And right. um, Martin Luther King Jr. was probably my first civil rights activist that I paid um, no, t- paid um, notice to, took notice to in my youth, and. Um, Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist minister and a social rights activist in the United States in the 1950s and 60s. He was a leader of the American Civil Rights Movement. He organized a number of peaceful protests as head of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, including the March on Washington in 1963. And he's done so much more. Um, the reason why I feel the feel felt to play homage to correlate with what you're doing with Malcolm X is because the combination of the two has always been in a divide and conquer kind of state. Whereas if you were, if you were being taught by Malcolm, then you couldn't be following Martin. If you were following Martin, then you could be following Malcolm. And our topics today um, that we're speaking on topic of the day, clash of styles, addressing our civil rights. Um, we're going to speak to this a little bit later when it comes down to these two gentlemen here, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and how their styles clashed and how um, unifying their styles actually might have been the better um, the better of the situation. So we'll get back to Malcolm and Martin, the great Malcolm X and the great Martin Luther King Jr. Um, a little bit later on. Um, but what we're going to do right now, we're going to slide on over to our current events um, section, our current events portion of the show. Um, so we have our current events. So we have um, first and foremost in our current events. Joe, you brought this up the other day about um, um, no HBCU athletes accepted into the draft. You want to speak to that? Yeah. Um, we know the NCAA is a powerhouse when it comes to uh, schools and I guess the system that they put together in drafting athletes. And most of them are of African-American descent. Mm-hmm. I find it very odd that this year, especially with such, uh, not even importance, but such relevance that was brought for the importance of HBCUs and black school and education, how there were no athletes that were drafted from HBCU schools. Yes. I mean, you can say that it's the good old boy system, you know, right. it, it doesn't help us. I mean, I remember um, how the, how the NCAA would crack down on kids taking money from people that were trying to scalp them. Not to say that that's right, but it's almost like they couldn't make a living. They had to be dependent on the NAAC in order to, sorry, the NCAA. It had to be dependent on them in order to uh, live which isn't right because it's almost like you're not recognizing your true value because they hold the strings or the purse strings to your life. How do you expect the person to live with today's finances and today's problems and struggles as a young Well, Well, that's, that's, that's always been the argument of the impoverished who, who has gone to college. And I'm talking about, we're talking about some of the hall of famers that has gone, um, through all of these different things to my Chris, like brothers like Chris Webber, he's, he was investigated um, when he was in Michigan and all of these other gentlemen that, um, that were, that were, that were punished for, 
for taking a couple of dollars to put, you know, put food on their table and to pay a few bills for their moms and all this other stuff where, you know, they were betting on themselves in a sense where it's like, okay, you know, they figure they're going to be great at some point or some time. Um, and that's just an NCAA um, um, bracket of it. You know, they, they, they use them, they use them kids. They use them bad. You know what I mean? It's, it's a billion dollar industry, but these kids get nothing besides, um, um, scholarships and, and, you know, and, and, and a few stipends, you know? Um, but when you come back to the no HBCU athletes accepted into the draft, um, it's not nothing new, you know? I mean, I don't think that we should have, we should have thought that it was going to reinvent the wheel because like you said, the good old boy system, they, they, that's what they, that's what they do. They, they'll hold on. They, they're holding on to the old guard as, as hard as they can. You know what I mean? They're holding on to that old way of thinking, that old way of that old slave, slave, thing, the slave mentality, mm-hmm. slave master mentality, as long as they can. And one of those ways is that to keep the, to keep the mandate that HBCU, HBCU athletes aren't um, 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 NFL material. Right. You understand? Um, and and until you those athletes say, okay, we're gonna go into the NCAA, you understand what I'm saying? And you know, go into that to that uh what's that called? Um minor league system, so to say. You know what right. I mean? D League. Um, yeah, that farm system, you know what I mean, that farming system, the NCAA and the NFL, they 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 work together. The HBCU and the NFL don't work together. Yeah, right. So they gotta always promote Right. NFL. Like they're gonna use their system to work. But you look at HBCUs, you don't think that they work just as hard. Like what makes them what makes the N uh NCAA better than the HBCU? Nothing to be honest with you, but it's that old question and that old answer in regards to who has the power, who controls the the narrative right Right. now with the NCAA. And we always speak to that, and that's the reason why we here on this platform is so that we can continue, we can begin to control the narrative, be one of be one of many, be one of many um, platforms that control the narrative and allow us to understand and see see our people, see us for us. You understand what I'm saying? Start looking in the mirror, and then you start seeing your reflection a little bit better. You know, but um, but you know, we don't want to dwell on that one um event. For the week, um, another n- another thing happened this past week. We had the NYPD will no longer respond to mental health calls. Uh, we wanted to speak to the pros and cons of such a of such a, a such an act. Um, so we're gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start. Go ahead, Joe. You go first. The NYPD will no longer respond to mental health calls. The pros and the cons to this. Uh, one of the pros to this. Um, is that mental health professionals are better equipped to diagnose and deal with situations than the NYPD. Um, Looking at these recent incidences, especially with young Black people getting killed by the NYPD, um, mental health professionals may be able to assess the situation a lot better. Maybe it's not a situation that needs to be violent or volatile. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've always been a person of unless it's a code red or unless the life is truly in danger, then you really need to call an NYPD, but not as a use of force, but as a sign of strength. And what I mean by that, their presence alone should show people that this is not a joke. They shouldn't have to act on that presence. They shouldn't have to act by pulling out a gun or a taser or the case may be. They should be the ultimate last resort when it comes to handling situations. And then once the mental health professional can determine what type of situation it is, then you call the NYPD into it and say, okay, this is where we are. So dealing with that first pro, mental health professionals are better equipped to diagnose and deal with situations than NYPD. I look at it almost like um, when you look at movies and stuff like that, and you look at those hostage situations and they have a negotiator before they, before they go in with all the muscle, you understand? And I think um, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same pattern, no matter what the situation is. You know what I mean? You want to go in with a soft tone so that you can get the least, um, the least violence out of the situation. I would think that should be, that should be any police officers take, 
on dealing with any one situation. Whereas I believe that a lot of them are like cowboys and they feel like, yeehaw, here we go. We got some, you know, we got some action today. That's you know right. You know <laughs> right, right. Where I believe that it should be a situation where there's somebody trying to defuse the um the 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 you know the situation how hostile the hostile situation before it becomes a situation of hostility before it becomes something where you have to use brute force to to, to handle the situation. So when you say mental health professionals are better equipped to diagnose and deal with situations than the NYPD, I agree in that sense. But then again, like you said, you might need the muscle at the same time. So going to this, the next pro, it says reducing or removing the NYPD sends the message that there are other ways to deal with otherwise hostile situations may serve as a catalyst for revamping the way the police department responds to volatile situations. So when you say reducing or removing the NYPD sends the message that there are ways to deal with otherwise hostile situations, that is true. You understand? But then again, like I said, you have to understand that it's like I said, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a checks and balance kind of it's a it's a it's a you know it's a the balance has to be there. Whereas we have to be able to show force when necessary, but the I think the first line of the first line of defense should not be force. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. Like if it's a situation where let's say if you had a situation with a suicide attempt. Uh, let's you know of uh, that instance. The only person that really that life is at stake is the person who's trying to commit suicide. Right. And so a lot of situations I can remember NYPD being called in case they injured themselves or harmed themselves. Now you're not going to shoot the person because you're trying to save a life. But there are instances where the NYPD is called to assess the situation in case the situation turns and they end up wanting to harm somebody else. Right. Now, I think we we know the impact of mental health and we know how the, over the last year specifically, how hard it's been for a lot of people. And there may be people in those instances where they just want to do harm to themselves or somebody else. So like I said, having that presence there helps definitely, but using the, the mental health catalyst should always be the first option. If you can't get through to that session, to that, um, to that way of doing things, then you move on to the next steps. Right, so, right. Hoping, because... that, hoping that this, hoping that um, the NYPD looks at these things and say, okay, maybe we didn't have to go rogue or we didn't have to go full bore. You know, we could have went sixty uh, percent as opposed to ninety or hundred percent. Right, because you go to the con. So we said the pros. The pros of it is that you have some you know, soft tone, a soft voice, a so uh, someone who understands the mental state of that person in, the, in 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 that situation. But then you go to the cons of it. If you don't have a police presence, then it could get violent. You know what I mean? So it says the presence of police officers usually deters criminal activity to some degree. A lack of police presence in these situations could very well backfire and lead to increased increased criminal activities Absolutely. so we're talking about these mental health um these mental health um professionals who may who who put themselves in the line of fire or put themselves in danger when you have some of these some of these strong these strong you know strong dudes who with mental problems that knock them upside their head or something like that god forbid you know what i mean so you would want to have a police presence i think that the nypd what they're doing is is what with the what the nypd did last year or with the whole um when we was talking about um 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 was it the um was what was it what was the what was the um the they was calling for the this disbandment of the police officers defunding defunding funding right the funding of the police and I believe this to be one of those situations where, because when they were talking to funding the police, all of a sudden you notice the police presence in the streets was really scarce. All of a sudden they weren't, they weren't, um, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were more, res they were more responding after the fact than trying to be deterrents to the fact. You understand what I'm saying? So they, it, it'd be, you know, death here, death there, and all of a sudden you just don't see no police presence. And I think this is one of those situations where they're taking, where they're doing the same thing. It's like, well, if y'all want to sit there and complain so much, all right, well, we're not going to, we're not even going to go to the call at, at all. That's not what anybody is asking them. I don't think that's what anything, any, I know, I know I'm not asking you not to go to the call. I'm asking, you, 
I'm not. I'm asking you not to be the one to talk to the per, to the people. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have profession. You have prof, professional psychiatrists who can do these things, who can talk someone off the ledge, who could talk a gun out of their hand. Like I said, we took, think hostage negotiators. You understand what I'm saying? So this person is 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 is, 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 is you know holding hostage. You know, what I mean, um, time and space right now. It might not be people. But you're sitting there like, okay, he's a danger to society at the moment. So why not talk to him? Why not try to get in his head and see what, what was bothering him? And that way, and that way, you know, what I mean, we could have a peaceful, a peaceful, you know, ending to this. Absolutely. Um, just to, to kind of go back on in regards to what you said about how the police responded to when we were talking about defunding the police, not taking money from them, but using this would be a perfect. Uh, way of defunding. Use the money that you have. Put it more into mental health. Maybe you need to have a unit, a mental health unit in, in, within the NYPD that responds first and then bring out the big boys in case stuff starts to get rough. You know, this would be a great way to do it. But the fact that I felt that they you know, were in their feelings and they said, well, if you don't want us at all, we're not going to do anything. And a year later, we've seen more attacks on people in this city alone and anywhere, you know, and they're trying to, they, it, it's more, it's one, it's one of those situations where you're trying to prove your worth, not just the NYPD, but police departments all over the country are proving their worth by these things, letting these things happen and say, see what happens if we're not there. We could have did this or we could have. Right, right. And that's, but that's, but that's not the, that's not the point. The right. point is mm-hmm. we know how valued you are. You need to show your value, period. Not let someone's feelings or actions deter you from doing your job. Right, exactly. And that's where a lot of people have issues when it comes to police departments and officers because of the fact right. that they feel. Yeah, I don't have. I don't. I don't have. A, I don't have a, gr- a growing trust with them. I mean, like I said, especially with this, you know, and, and 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 especially with how they're shooting us down. I mean, mistaken tasers, mistaken tasers for guns. It's, it's it's crazy. So I think their approach need to be, like I said, it need to be more, like I said, a, a, a more peaceful approach, and you know, and 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 you know, judge it from there. You know, what I mean, because as we about to go to our next little, um, 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 uh, uh, current event. Sorry, allergies bothering me, guys. Um, current event. For the day, um, police officer Garrett Rolfe, who killed the brother Rayshawn Brooks in the Wendy's restaurant parking lot last year, um, has returned to work. So we have situations where our people, our brothers are being murdered in these streets and these people are just getting paid vacations and then headed back to work the very next you know, year after um, whatever investigation they did to say that, oh, OK, it was all right. But remember, this is the brother that was what sleeping in his car at one time, right? Yeah, he was sleeping in his car at a Wendy's. Somebody called the police on him to say that he was, I don't know if he was doing something unscrupulous, and they came, questioned him. And I believe as he tried to get away, that's when they opened fire on him. You know, and it's just situations like that. You're not deterring the situation first. You're all going on what somebody is saying. Right. I don't think they were given time to assess the situation and then determine the outlook. It's right. like they already were in red. Like they were already seeing red and was like, shoot to kill, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. Not come, look at the situation, observe, detect, and then make an assessment. So just that alone, after what happened with George Floyd, after what happened with all of these cases over the last year, the fact that they would hire the police officer back or reinstate him rather, we need to know if this person had, we need to know if he had some type of training, sensitivity training to the issue, if there was some, uh, you know, had to see a therapist in regards to, because a lot of these experiences may be traumatic. You know what I mean? And the fact that that's not being talked about, it shows that they didn't really care if it was killed or not. They didn't care because of the fact that they let it happen so fast. And it's like through past time thinking we would forget about the situation. Right, right. And then, you know, over a year time, it's like, okay, it, it, it's past. We can come back to work now. And I think there needs to be some things in place before he can come back to work. I'm not saying that he's 
that's almost like a tongue-in-cheek slap in the face. I mean, because it's like it's almost like, all right, well, we're gonna let you know, and that's and that's what a lot of things that happen with this this country is. Whereas they give they they, they look at us like that, you know. I think they look at us like that. Where it's like, let's give it some time, and after a little bit, after a year or so, they're gonna forget about it. They're gonna be enraged by something else. They're gonna be talking about Cardi B, something else. So don't worry about it. They right. they'll distract themselves in some shape, fashion, or form. Absolutely, at some point in time. And those are, that's our current event topics. We spoke, um, we, I mean, obviously it's kind of crazy that every week we're sit, speaking about current events and it seems to be about police killings and how the, how, how the, how, how, how the officers who's supposed to, who swore to protect us is actually out here um, doing us the most damage. Um, but at this moment, what we're going to do is we're going to get some words from our network um some some words from our network and then we're going to come back with the topic of the day clash of styles addressing our civil rights and want to thank you guys for being here so far so good legend how are you today sir looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start the evening rush network can help you with that Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share. Every time I see that commercial, oh, and guess what? And we're sponsored by Baller. You know what I mean? We supported by um by Sands by Butter. She gave us my, my little my little plug shirt. I got my little plug shirt on. I love that you're wearing it. Yeah. <laughs> I had mine on last week. We gotta we gotta sing. Gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. I was <laughs> on last week. I wasn't on last week. So I saw you wear it last week. So I was like, oh man, we wearing it. All right, hold on. I threw mine's on and you ain't wear it. So I was like, okay, I guess I need to give him the memo next time. Right. Um, <laughs> Also, follow us on Instagram at PluggedMJ, please. We're always posting material. You can also contact us in regards to topics or things you think we should talk about. Please continue to support us at uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Plugged with Molly and Joe, and our Instagram page at PluggedMJ. Right. This the, the funny part about like how this gentleman and myself um, deals in this situation is very humble because it's like, okay, is there some people out here like, look at me, look at me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, look at me, I'm on this show. And it's that third, I guess, you know, this is more from the hearts, more like something that where we would sit down and, you know, and, and teach our grandkids if necessary, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm hoping that's, that's you know, we both get a chance to do so. Uh, teach our kids, teach our grandkids, teach the people, teach the youth out there because, you know, we got our mentor program we got going on still as well and um baller being big appalachian academy for the arts we're going to talk about um what's going on with baller later on um this evening in this last half hour of the show um the reason why i like i say that um a half hour i mean an hour isn't enough is because the content where in which we speak on it we could go so deep into it and sometimes it seems kind of rushed so i want you to bear with us and we'll figure out what the what the concept of the show how much time we're going to need and all that other good stuff but what we're going to do is we're going to go to the topic of the day today and the topic of the day is the clash of styles addressing and in addressing our civil rights right and um you know um, I remember I was like, um, they were talking about how the X-Men, you know, how X-Men um, came up, you know, um, piggybacked up the concept of the polar opposites of a Professor X and a, a Magneto. You understand Magneto being the Malcolm X kind of figure and the Professor X being the Martin Luther King kind of figure. And that's why I always gravitated to the X-Men comic books anyway. It was always seemed like, a, a you know, one of those things you can relate to. But. We want to speak to some of these questions. What were the key differences between their approaches to civil rights? And we're talking about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll start with Martin Luther King. We know Martin Luther King had more of a strong, he focused his lifestyle on religion in regards to Christianity. Um, also, the supporter of Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, who was more of a nonviolent in response to a lot of things. Um, his was, whatever they do to you, don't respond. You know, just continue to be very peaceful in your actions and show in that you mean what you say, but not through violence. Mm -hmm. Malcolm, on the other hand, 
was a lot more militant in that sense. He also had the same visions in regards to the advancement of black people, but Malcolm was more, we need to get ours right now. We see the thing that's happening and they're not responding to us being nonviolent. So we have to show force. We got to show our strength or our hand, if you will. Right. And it's just one was nonviolent. Malcolm, I'm not going to say he sat here and said that, oh, you need to start killing, shooting, looting. No, but Malcolm said you need to show your strength as a black person. Let him know if somebody does come at you that way, then you show your you, you show your hand. You show what you're capable of. Not to say that he was out there telling people they need to be shooting, looting and all of that. <laughs> but he definitely said if somebody like a, a perfect example, if, if Dr. King and hit the SCLC was out there protesting and you had people hitting them with bricks, water hoses and things like that. Malcolm, on the other hand, would say, well, you fight back. If they're going to hit you with a water hose, you hit them back. They've given you carte blanche to respond with action. And Malcolm was like, you fight too. Don't let let them them get away with that. Yeah, so when you look at, like I said, the key differences between their approaches to civil rights, it's so it goes into one of the teachers, the Christian teachings, or what have you, where you talk about. Um, it says, um, it says someone slap you, slap you, slap your cheek. It says, it says, it says turn the other cheek. You know, maybe give him the other cheek. Um, and Malcolm, you know, Malcolm basically just wasn't with that. You know what I mean? He wasn't with that understanding or with that with that approach. Um, does that make? the approaches um does that make the both both approaches wrong um not for me you understand it doesn't make either it it doesn't make one approach better than the other approach as i grow up to learn about both approaches as i grow up to learn about um malcolm's approach and how martin approached it um there are many ways to there are many ways to reach the the same goal sometimes you understand what i'm saying it might take a long road it might take a little windier road but long as you reach the destination you know how we got there doesn't really matter as long as we get there as long as we're fighting for the same thing which is our civil rights that's what people tend to tend to tend to not not um tend to take away from take away from it is that these men were fighting for the same thing? You understand what I'm saying? For the equal, for the for the for the you know for the fair for the fairness and the equality of our people, you know. So when you say what were the key difference between their approaches to civil rights, it's it's basically it's basically just that one 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 wasn't having it, and the other one you know wanted to do just a little bit peaceful, you know. Well, I always look at it this way: when I was growing up. If I had to be put into a fight or a situation where I had to defend myself, I can hear my mother, I can hear my father saying, people are going to say what they want to say about you. Let them talk. Let them do this. But if they put their hands on you, that's when you fight back. That's always been, always been the case, right? Always been the case. And that's how I look at King and Malcolm. You know, King was the one, let people say what they want to say, whatever, as long as you know you're right in what you do and you know your point. But it, if somebody did, physically assaults you or attacks you, then you go Malcolm on them. <laughs> right. But that but that's the balance in which a parent would say, you know what I'm saying? That's what our parents was basically teaching in a sense. And that's just that's just just I mean, that's just taking the good, you know, what I mean, like it says, says that chew, you know, you chew the meat, spit out the bones. You know what I mean? You just take the you take the good from what it, what you can because you're not gonna go but so far into allowing people just to push you push over, you know, push you over. You know what I mean? So we had pose another another question to ourselves. It says, how, if at all, did their religious affiliations influence their approaches? How did their religion influence their approaches? So we got, A, Christianity and black culture tends to make a more passive stance on issues. And then we have, B, the nation of Islam at the time of Malcolm X was a more militant and less tolerant culture. And actually, it's just not at the time of Malcolm X. Um, Islam, um, Islam, um, as a, as a, um, as a religion was always militant and that's throughout history. You know what I mean? That's just throughout history. You're talking about the crusades and you're talking about the crusades where the, the, the Christians was going up against who? The, the Muslims. You know what I mean? There was Muslims and the Christians fighting each other, basically saying, you know what I mean? That, you know, you're either going to do this or you're going to die. So when you look at um, the militant side of things or what have you, yeah, and then I look at the Christianity and Black culture. That's key. The Christianity and Black culture tends to make a more passive, um, 
constituent because of the simple fact they wanted to keep us down. To me, it was always a matter of they made sure they gave us, a, um, they taught us religions to keep us, to keep us, to keep us settled, to keep us, you know, to keep the yoke around our neck, so to say. You know what I mean? So when you say Christianity and black culture, yeah, the passive stance is only for us. I think, I believe that every other stance that, you know, that's being taken is the real Christianity. You know what I mean? Um, but um, so to answer the question, it said, how, if at all, did their religious affiliates influence their approaches? That's basically what it was in the Christian and in, in growing up as a Christian. You know, you have a passive stance on things. You, you tend to you tend to give praise to your master. You know, what I mean, you, you, you know, in that sense, you know what I mean? And the nation of Islam was not, you know, was not doing that. They was not given, you know, and we're going back to this stuff. Forget Malcolm. Talk about who taught Malcolm. You know, what I mean, Elijah Muhammad. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, we're talking about one of his, one of his counter, one of his um, brothers in the fight. Also, we're talking about uh, Farrakhan. Uh -huh. You understand what I'm saying? So you, you know, it's not just him that 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 had this message out there either. Um, but what do you say to that same to the to the same question, Joe? Well, we know that um, we know that. As far as religious affiliations is concerned, we know that Christianity was derived from slavery. We know that it was a religion that was that was pretty much put upon slaves to keep them in check. Right. So, having that mindset, this is just me and my personal opinion. I don't ask anybody right. else. Let everybody, yeah. let, let everybody know. That, yeah, so this is my personal opinion. How my mean, works we know the foundations of Christianity comes from slavery enslavement we know that it was a tool used to keep us enslaved or to keep us dependent on other cultures mm -hmm. and that's the same mindset you use to christian to christianity you're depending on god to do for you as you can't already do for yourself um and nation of islam on the other hand they did have a god that they believed in but they thought it was more self that had to handle the situation as opposed to being dependent. They were more looking at the situation and saying, well, what am I going to do about it? Not waiting for somebody to, uh, or someone or something to determine how my, the outcome in my life is. And I think one of the reasons why the Islamic culture is, isn't well liked is because of the fact that we, I, mean, I won't say we, cause I'm not Muslim, but um, that culture did not determine on a, a choice or a decision by somebody else. The decision that they're usually making is based on their own life and their own, and their own. Um, and it's, it's and, and, and it dealt with a lot of logic. You understand what I'm saying? To me, to me, in the in, in you know when you're dealing in the, in the, in um, um, slavery was the found. So what was the question? Slavery was the foundations of Christianity as a whole, or for black people. <laughs> um. The passive approach to, to Christianity was made for black people. Absolutely. Um, Christianity in the whole dates back to, you know, to the, to, to, the, to the motherland, to the homeland over that side. You know what I mean? Um, but when you're talking about Christianity that affects us here in America, the Christianity of the black culture. Yeah, that one was founded during slavery. The one where you know, you know, what I mean, where they, where they, they gave us a religion that had us believe that us getting whipped was actually an act of God, or us, being, or us being on the low, low part, you know, the lowest, the lowest totem, lowest part of the totem pole was actually an act of God, and what we would have to do is praise our masters to be able to get past these 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 low situations yeah black christianity was a was a so if you want to say yeah it was founded in during slavery you know what i mean because all because a lot of them dudes that was giving us all of this this religion they were the ones making it up as they went you yeah, know what I mean? because we we could go far we could go way way back until you know um talking about constantine yep yeah, I mean, look at, it, look at it this way. Um, and there are quotes in the Bible, scriptures in the Bible that tell you that as a slave owner, it's okay to whip your slaves and keep them in check. Just don't right. kill them. Right, so right. There, 
that you know it promotes this these things during the times. Not necessarily saying that that's the way to be right now, but that book is being used has been used for thousands of years, and it's been used for different for different manipulative um, um, situations. So um, they you know, and that's that's religion in it, in, it, in the whole. That's the reason why it's tend to stray away from any any organized religion for that same for that reason is because the manipulation through it all it's 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 unnerving and it's dangerous and it holds us back as people you know what i mean because i know for i know for a fact i know for a fact that um joe and i wouldn't be 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 brothers or be standing where we are today had we had we had we still been locked into the old way of 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 serving um a creator or serving a higher power or serving god in the normal in the normal ways that people do it and i'd say this is a perfect example of why we have to take religion out of this fight when you talk about civil rights it's because the same way Martin and Malcolm clash based on what? Based on religion, based on the, the, the I'm on, I'm over here in Islam and you're over there in Christianity. So we're, we bumping heads just based off of what we chose, who, uh, how we chose to praise God. You understand? Absolutely. And where we take that out of there, they realize as we're going to speak on, they realize how much they have more in common, but we haven't even got that. We have to get yeah. to what's the name, right? So no. move on. It says, um, so I see how deep it get, right? The rabbit hole. That's right. In what, ways, in what ways was the NOI, the Nation of Islam, a more aggressive version of Pan-Africanism? Because we're talking about Pan-Africanism, and I, I like Pan-Africanism more than any other religious um, movement because it was more so a, a, a national movement than anything else. So... Is is as so we're going to answer this real quick. Is NOI a more aggressive version of Pan Africanism? My personal perspective, it is. Um, Pan Africanism was, you could say, a lot of the, what the, the NOI came from. Um, they were about self. They were about knowledge of self, history of self, acknowledgement of self. We understand that. But with the NOI, like we mentioned, they had a more militant stance and a more aggressive stance in uh, dealing with Pan-Africanism. It was like, we know what we are. We know our worth value, but we want it right now. And we're willing to do anything we have to do to get it. So in ways, so in ways Malcolm's, t- Malcolm's teachings or the Nation of Islam's teachings were just a, a, a religious organization who took Pan African, who took the Pan African, um, um, took the Pan African blueprint and ran with it in a sense, right? Right. They, uh, it, it's, it's almost like an upgrade. You know, mm-hmm. the Pan Africanist is level one or level two, but they want to get to level three or four, you become an NOI where you know where you were. If you went through the beginnings, the teachings, the earlier teachings, and now the NOI is like, well, how do we react to these teachings? How do we react to this way of life? What do we need to do to get to where we want to get to? And that's where being part of the nation of Islam was. You know, that that's I think that's when you got to that level of, of, of aggressiveness, that's when it was like you're willing to do anything. Right, by any means necessary. Right? Right, right. You're willing to do anything to prove the power of the importance of pan-Africanism. And so now, so now does their does their external influences have anything to do with how they how they were teaching? Does Martin who who did Martin follow that that influenced his teachings? Who did Malcolm follow that influenced his teachings? So we have here we have Mahatma Gandhi mm-hmm. um whom Martin Luther King followed and studied um and then Malcolm we have Marcus Garvey so do we get so do we get the correlation in our teeth? You know what I mean? Who who we're taught from is how we express ourselves. You know what I mean? So it goes it's, it goes the same way with you, Joe. Where it's like, you know, you are the sum of your teachings and your teachers. You know what I mean? I'm the sum of my teachers and my teachings. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You understand what I'm saying? So now when you look at it, it makes sense when you say Martin followed Mahatma Gandhi and Malcolm followed Mar- Mar- Marcus. You know, Marcus Garvey. Whereas Marcus Garvey didn't give me the sense of 
he was ready to go to war per se, but he was dead serious on on his nationalism. He was dead. He was dead, he was dead, he was dead serious about taking us back to Africa. Absolutely. Um, and he, you know what I mean. So there was a balance there with the Marcus Garvey, Mahatma Gandhi. He, you know, he had his issues as well. I heard, I heard he was a little, you know, little, 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 little cuckoo for. If you will, but we knew his overall. Like he, I mean, when he had had strikes, food strikes, and hunger strikes, and things like that to prove his cause, he was nonviolent about it. He thought nonviolence through force would solve the problem. I mean, eventually it would, but at the same time, the problem with that is you're put you're willing to sacrifice everything on your in yourself on your inner self to get there, not necessarily knowing that that's not the only way to get it. Right, because when you look at it as we're speaking on it, as we're as we're as we're taking off the layers, we're getting the understanding that what we have to do is do sort of a fusion, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying a fusion of the 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 teachings of a Mahatma Gandhi or the teachings of a Marcus Garvey, the teachings of a Malcolm X, the teachings of a Martin Luther King, and the fusion is birth in us. You know what I mean? You, Joe, myself. Anybody else who's who who want to take on these platforms to start to speak to our people even more so, it has to be a fusion of all of these men where we're not taking anymore, or we have to be diplomatic about it, or we have to be PC about it. But it right. depends on the situation, correct? Absolutely, it goes to our experiences, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. our experiences of knowing who all of these people are, and like you said, we're fusing them and putting them together, and we're like, oh, well, we know when the time because of PC culture and because of things of that nature, we know when the time is to be aggressive. We know when it's the time to be nonviolent. We know when it's the time to be peaceful and we know when it's the time to take action. So, all right. So that makes me go, cause I want to bring it up. I want to bring it full circle and make sure that we play and we, we, we plug into this last um, couple of, couple of points here. The black Panther party, where does it fall into this movement? Can the Panthers be thought of as a fusion between the two approaches? Absolutely. And I'll say the reason why I'll say it, because they use nonviolent tactics. You know, they came off as nonviolent. They came off. Yes, they had they had the revolutionary. They were willing to do what they had to do to handle situations. But they also had the nonviolent approach to it, meaning that they didn't come in guns blazing. But. When we talk about Dr. King, um, we talk. Oh, sorry. When we talk about the Black Panthers in regards to Malcolm's instance, they had themselves armed in case stuff went down. They didn't right. necessarily resort to it, but they right. knew that at any time it could get to that level because they were always on guard because they knew that opposing uh, people were there to take them down. Well, because when you think about when you think about the Black Panther Party um, when when they came into existence. Um, um, Malcolm and Martin already already had their heyday, in, in a sense. So they, so like I said, these were these were young men and women that were taught by the Malcolms and the Martins and the such. Correct? Yes. Um, a lot of it also what fueled the Black Panthers were the deaths of them. You know, the deaths of the Malcolms and the Martins. You know, a lot of them were affected by it, and because that there was nobody there to keep to spread the word, a lot of them decided to do it. But right. like you said, they took a little bit from both. Right. So my thing is, so now in knowing that, right, and knowing that, so say how, because we asked the question, how does the Black Party fall into this movement? Can they be as a fusion between the two approaches? That's our message to our people today. It's more so that we start off with Martin taking a passive approach. We have Malcolm taking an aggressive approach. But now we're going to go, says we know that their approaches began to change in their latter days. Do everybody know that, mind you? Martin's speeches became less peaceful and Malcolm became less vocal. What were the circumstances around this change? Um, we like to say that Malcolm was scared. <laughs> well, you know, sad but true. You know what I mean? Um, but Malcolm's pilgrimage to Mecca, we're saying that um, he came back and he, he realized we're not in this fight alone. Um, he was more willing to include other people, non-blacks into the movement because what, um, what happened was, what happened was he basically saw white, white Muslims, 
Right. You know what I mean? He saw white Muslims. He saw Asian Muslims. He saw Muslims of all nationalities when he made his pilgrimage to Mecca to where it's it's like, okay, so this isn't a black religion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. This isn't a black way of living. So he had he started to begin to understand the concept of a rainbow coalition in a sense, whereas um, it's going to take all of us to come together to be able to do these things. Um, his strained relationship with the NOI, being watched by the FBI, all of those things, all of those things we're trying to, we're saying played into Malcolm's latter years and being less vocal and less and trying to be as violent or being um, as as strong opinion, you know, um, um, had a strong opinion against white people, so to say, and, 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 and people of other races, you know what I mean? Um, and then when you talk about Martin, he changed and then he got to the March on Washington. Everything got a little more aggressive. You know what I mean? He, he, he you know, and I just think sometimes you just get tired of getting beat on. You know what I mean? What did you yes. say, bro? Well, that, that and the fact that he was, he spent so much time negotiating with Kennedy and LBJ and not really seeing much of a result. You know, I, I, I honestly think him negotiating with Kennedy is what got Kennedy assassinated. Mm-hmm. You know, going to LBJ and not seeing Lyndon Johnson take a stance, a real significant stance on it. He, it took him two years mm-hmm. to actually say, okay, we're going to pass this bill. Right. So I think a lot of it is a lot of the latter years of King was seeing how people were getting to the table and seeing how people were responding to it. Right. Because he, because he was getting, he was getting a lot of, answers, you know, he, but, it seems like they said, okay, we had to choose between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And when they realized, to me, when they realized that neither one of them was going to help, <laughs> help their cause, that's the reason why both of them wound up dead. But when it came, they, they chose Martin in a sense because he was the safer choice. And then he became not the same. Then he became, then he got you know become volatile. So it, 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 it's it's weird. It's weird in a sense. Whereas when we look at the combination of the both of their of their um teachings, their um the 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 the, the mesh. You know, what I mean, I think it should have been a thing where they came together, and I guess that's what the powers that be was trying to fight against. If you ask me, in a way, you know. Um, I think the powers that be really was trying to um, squash something that we didn't. Um, um, I think they, you know, they 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 squashed something that they saw for you know happening, and I think we got a glimpse of it with the Black Panther Party, right? A combination of the two, and that's what it was. Like they realized if you have two separate forces against each other. It's almost like it's relieving because they're going to try to prove which force is right. But when you put them both together, that's a very dangerous concept. And you get people believing in both their sources at the same time. That's very dangerous. And And there's a lot of examples of that today. Like anybody who comes to the table with, you know, trying to educate us or show us that there are ways for us to, you know, get through this life, they're, you know, character assassinated, not physically divide, killed. Divide and conquer. Like I said, cancel, cancel culture. They, yeah. you know, cancel culture really, 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 really sides with that. And um, a story, a story um, from one of the, from, from one of my elders back in the days is that um, Malcolm has set up a meeting with the Israelites, with the Israelite leaders at least a, a week. It was supposed to, the meetings was supposed to happen a week after he was assassinated. And these aren't the type of meetings that he was having at the time. You know what I mean? He was just trying to, he came back from, um, came back from his pilgrimage and he wanted to try to unite, you know what I mean? The, um, the, 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 the black leaders throughout, you know, throughout, 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 you know, whether it be Christianity, whether it be, um, Israelites, whether it be Jews, whether it be, you know, whatever, whatever religion or way of life it is, he wanted to seek them out and speak to all of our problems. You understand what I'm saying? Because, um, the, 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 the problem amongst us is a universal problem. I don't care what nationality you are. You're a black man. I don't care what religion you are. You're a black man. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care what it is. At the end of the day, you're a black man and they fear you. 
You know what I mean? Right. That you're not going to be looked at as as if to say, "Oh, he's a he's a Christian, a, Christ, a Christian person, no, Israelite person." No, no. you look at, him, look at look look at look how quick they shoot us. You know what I mean? Right. They, they don't they do not assess whether he's a good Christian boy or right. he's a, or he's a good a good father or right. a good a good husband. Nah, he's a black man, and I'm scared. Right. You know what I mean? And with that, what we're going to do is we're going to go um, into the baller. We're going to get to our baller section, of course. You know what I mean? And, you know, that was a great, great topic of the day. I think we want to get back on that topic. Like I said, this this is just a fresh the dry run, and we're going, we're going to come back to that again. A oh, little, yeah. You know what I mean? With, with a little more information, with a little more time and all that to, to take care. Because some of these topics we realize – that we need a little more time after the fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? So what we're going to do is now we're going to go into what's happening with our sponsor, Baller, Big Apple Leadership Academy for the Arts. We got a lot going on. Um, this is the May days, all right? May magic, that's what's happening in Baller. This is May magic. See what's happening this month at Baller. What we got? We got, all right, we already had yesterday. Enjoy, up, oh, up, oh, don't, you're going too fast. Hey, where you going? Go back down. Crafts with Miss Val. That was yesterday, all right? That was a, that was an evening of Crafts with Miss Val, CEO of Purple Butterflies Treasures on Wednesday, April 5th, 6 p.m. Attendees will make custom t-shirts and go home with their special creations. That was yesterday. You guys missed it. Sorry. Um, but what we try to do is try to promote, um, black entrepreneurship. And so all of these people here are our brothers and sisters that's doing it, doing, doing the damn thing. Um, we got aerobics night, uh, get in shape. Um, I don't see the date. I don't see the, t- um, the, 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 date, uh, that's May what? So you got to bring it in for me. May, May, that's tomorrow, May 7th. Oh, uh, that's May 7th. Okay. So that's May 7th. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make my screen bigger. How about that guys? <laughs> I'm sitting there asking for asking for the producer to do something. I, and all I had to do is do some laziness. That's what happens when you all of a sudden you think of a star. All right. Donna Reynolds, trainer, suggested donations. Um, register online at baller.org. That's www.balaa.org slash events. May 7th. That is when? Tomorrow? Tomorrow at 8 p.m. At 8 p.m. Gates 1014 Gates. 7, seven, to, eight, seven to 8 p.m. Sorry. 8 p.m. Get in shape. Aerobics night. Come on. Baller Legacy presents. Um, Big Abolition Academy for the Arts. Become a published author. This is one that I love because it's giving an opportunity for the young people to um, to express themselves, to be authors, to, to, to write their own to write their own stories, you know what I mean? So the opportunities for young people who are interested in both authorship and entrepreneurship. Baller has partnered with Lawrence Simone Publishing House to grant a small group of young writers a chance to become published authors. Attend the virtual information session session for more information. That's pretty dope if you ask me, bro. I wish I had somebody like I wish I had this back in the days, you know what I mean? Right. Like we we had so much to talk about, so much to discuss, but if we had had somebody who could help us finesse our words and put it together, I think we could have done great things. Yes, 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 brother. I like the background. She did a little background thing in where it don't look so like yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up we got the pop-up shop. You know what I mean? Balling big with baller. All right. So we got we balling big at Baller. That's our pop up shop. Join us for our pop up shop on Sunday, May sixteenth, from twelve p.m. to six p.m. Um, you can see the video above. So when you go on our site, you can see the video, and you'll see our pop up shop again. Um, black entrepreneurs. We're trying to promote um, self sufficiency. We're trying to promote um, doing for one another. Um, we got what we got there. What we got there, Joe? Okay. So our first one, Baller Beauties presents Home Ec One Hundred One Cooking. Wednesday, May 19th at 6 p.m. Uh, I believe we had our first uh, sense of home ec uh, before, and this will be our second home ec unit, which will be cooking. So uh, we're going to be doing it Wednesday, May 19th at 6 p.m. Go on to baller.org slash events to register, and all of our programs are free. You oh, can't beat that price. You can't. No, no, we go to pottery. Bring it back. Bring it back. Pottery. Pottery. There we go. Bring it back. Bring it back. We got pottery class. <laughs> for Ball of Beauty and Ball of Bronze. Yes, for Ball of Beauties and Bronze. Sunday, May 30th. Bailey, Bailey Constance 
would be our instructor. Yeah. Sunday, May 30th at 3 p.m. It's free for bronze and beauties. We will both be in attendance. I'm looking forward to getting my hands a little dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one's kind of cool. That one's kind of cool. I'm, I'm yes. definitely there for that one. I need a new vase for my uh, plants. Home Ec. No, we're still collecting donations of supplies for our Home Ec 101 cooking class. Here is our wish list. If you'd like to make a donation, you can drop it off at our headquarters or email us at info at baller.org to arrange pickup. We are located at 1014 Gates Avenue, third floor, Brooklyn, New York, 11221. You can also make a monetary donation toward this or any other project directly on our website. Click here to donate. Baller offer these classes completely free to the general public. We rely on contributions from generous people like you to keep our operations afloat. We invite you to help us help our community. And that is definitely a need. You see our donation guide. We need saucepans, frying pans, saute pans, spoons, ladles, spatulas, pastas, pasta spoons. We need prayers. We need donations. We need we need we need love from our people. All right. All righty. Our summer enrichment program, the beautiful summer enrichment program. Baller is in partnership with St. Stephen's and St. Martin's Church. Is pleased to offer our affordable six-week summer enrichment program. July 5th to August 13th, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, early drop-off and early pickup options available. Registration includes six weeks of arts programming, three t-shirts, a water bottle, a drawstring book bag, and weekly outings. The cost for the summer is only $6.75 and sibling discounts are available. A hundred dollar discount, a hundred dollar deposit is required to secure your child's seat. Feel free to share this information within your networks and on your social media platforms. We got a great summer plan, and we we sure do. Trust me, it's going to be fun. All right, next. All right, sneak peek into June. We got home at quilting, tie dye. Keep going, keep going. That's just sneak peek, sneak peek. We got a fish fry Fridays, cross stitching. With Miss Crystal, that's my mama-in-law, and we got to do it yourself. Bath and body scrubs with Miss Natasha. I didn't even know that one. I'm in that one. I'm in that class too. Hey, that's that, right. Ain't gonna be just ball of beauties. Men like to get their body scrub on too. What's wrong that's with you? Right. We you gonna know? be outside. Yeah. We gonna be. We gonna be outside. As they yeah, say. yeah. We outside. <laughs> May, June, looking real good, and we even fill up all the all 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 the stuff. So we're gonna wrap it up today. We love everybody that tune in. Um, you know, life has been happening so fast sometimes, so we don't get a chance to share our videos or what have you. So we like to, we love the people that come and share it and and and, and follow us and check yeah. us and give us good feedback, right, Joe? Absolutely. Please continue to follow us. Like I said, Instagram is plugged at uh, plugged MJ. Also, go to our Facebook page, plugged with Molly and Joe. Keep a lookout for our things happening. There are a lot more stuff that's going to be happening. So, in order to stay in tune, look and and uh, show our and show your support any way possible. Right, because you're going to get good information coming from this way. But what we're going to say is, stay plugged in, keep it plugged in. You are now plugged in with Molly and Joe. Yeah. We love doing this for you guys. We're going to do it bigger and better. Trust you, me. And we appreciate everyone. Peace. Peace. Peace again. Peace again. Got to do it twice. You see, I got to put both fingers again. Up. That's what it is. Again. Peace again. <laughs> 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 but you know, uh,